1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're actually kind of coming to near a close to this series on um, growing up. And this final theme, I was going to really begin it this morning, is on growing up with regards to body, with regards to gifts, with regards to who God's made you and how it relates to everybody else in this room. And on the whole theme of body life. So let me just begin reading verse 1. I want to read a few verses. I want to really make one major point this morning. And then we're going to break up and do something which I think applies to the message, but uh, really have a unique time as a family today. And if you're visiting, uh, you've come at a good time. Verse 1, chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirits. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God, who works all of them in all men. Verse 7 is the key verse. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. One more time. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, he begins in verse 1 by saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, every people in every country of the world, in every generation, has had to wrestle with the issue of body life, community, and what it means to be the church of the living God. Now, since the entrance of sin in the world, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that God released a curse. And uh, part of it was that all relationships would be marked by struggle and pain. Marriages, work, families, neighborhoods, societies, countries, all relationships would be, would be marked by something called sin. And now God allowed the curse and released it so that it would break us and drive us to our need for a savior. But part of growing up is maturing and understanding that all relationships take work. All relationships are marked by pain. Heaven we will experience when we get there. But on earth there is pain. Now, every culture has, has certain obstacles and difficulties that mark it. Now when God... If you're a believer in Jesus here today, when God touched your life and God saved you and brought you to himself by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, he did not just get a hold of you to get you to heaven. God saved you to be part of a people called the people of God, to be part of a body, to be part of a family. And God structured the earth that the body be broken up into local churches. It's called in Timothy the household of faith or a body of Christ, local bodies of Christ. And he gives us something which uh, outside society doesn't have. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. When you come to faith in Jesus, you are born from heaven above. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. You actually have become something new. Something supernatural has taken place in you and in me. And a God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within you. And so God's plan is that on earth, you and I would be formed something called the people of God. And we would be a light to the nations. We would be a counterculture. We'd be a new society of people. We come from many different cultures here, 50, 60 countries. But God says, now, just like in Corinth, I'm forming a new people that is to be a light on a hill, shining forth. And that we are, like the people of Israel in the Old Testament, we are to bring the light of the glory of God to the world around us. Now, that's God's plan for you and me. The problem is that we've got enormous obstacles coming against us, just like in every society that's preceded us. And we've got battles, and the people of Israel did not always succeed. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, uh, there was times they were, they were sent into exile and wiped out because they were disobedient, did not fulfill their calling, 
as a people. Remember this, when God saved you, he didn't just save you as an individual, he saved us as a people to be a light, to be a new society, a new culture in the midst of the darkness. So, some of the things that we have to battle against, and I just want to reiterate a couple of them because they're so important to understand that to build, to be the body, to be the church, friends, takes a miracle from God. It's a supernatural thing, and there are the world of flesh and the devil, great things coming up against us. I read a book recently called Amusing Ourselves to Death, and it was written by a sociologist uh, from NYU. And, and he talks about our, our culture in the last hundred years is called the age of show business. And he says, because people live to be entertained. And he was contrasting political campaigns today on how it used to be in the 1850s and 60s when Lincoln was running for Senate. He and his opponent would, would have debates that would last seven hours. And the people would sit there and listen and be engaged because it was, there wasn't a, a culture like ours. And, and it wasn't like these 30-minute snippets of political candidates and then we'd vote on who emotionally moves us. Um, people were, were intentionally interested in the social, the economic, the political issues of the day. And they understood the work it took to understand what was going on. We don't live in that society at all anymore. He was talking about how that was an, an age of exposition versus an age of show business. And now we have TVs and stereos and we've got TVs in every rooms for all the kids. We've even got VCRs and vans now. We all walk around with our headphones on, our cell phones on, and, and, and our computers. And we've got cyber communities. We've got entire cities that have been created now in, in, in cyberspace. And, and so it's one of the great challenges for us in technology is, has had a great impact on our society. You can live in the same apartment building, as you know, for 20 years and not know your neighbors. We can live in the most crowded city in this nation and, have, and be the loneliest person on the face of the earth. And um, the average marriage lasts 6.5 years which means many of us in this room come from broken homes. And as a result, that's had a great impact on our ability to relate well, to live in community, to relate, to have intimacy, to have healthy relationships. And so we carry all kinds of emotional baggage with us. And um, in fact, some of us, we communicate through email. It's a lot easier, less pain. If I don't like you, I just click you off. And there was an article recently in, in, the, in a paper about a, a, a college student who would, who would drive a mile to read her email from her roommates on her floor. And, they, and she was being you know, challenged, like, why are you doing this? She goes, well, I've got to keep in touch with my friends, don't I? You know, just, and it was just a given. But it's had a, you understand, our culture has had an enormous effect on us because uh, the idea of relationships and, and the pain of it and being a body and a, a family is a lot of work, even with the power of God in our midst. And, with a culture which is in a show business, entertain me culture, it's like why would I bother with that? And so in the American church, our challenge is, and, and, and the great, is, is why bother with that? I'll just go and consume, be entertained, and I go home. And no, no wrestling with this idea of being the church. In the Corinthians, verse 1, we're ignorant about the power and the glory that had been deposited in them. And then what God's destiny was for their lives. Many of you know in this past year in Korea, this past week in Korea, um, the North Korean president and the South Korean president had, had meetings. Now, the enormity of that, maybe you don't understand, but that country has been divided for 50 years. And as my good friend who's a neighbor was telling me, Korean, says, Peter, it's like being in New Jersey. And if the war separated you 50 years, there's been no communication for the last 50 years for family members, no phone, no newspapers, no ability to communicate what's going on on the other side for 50 years. And two million people plus have families separated. They have no idea what happened to parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, 
total silence. Now you talk about isolation and division, North and South Korea perhaps give us a picture more than anything else. Those guys having a meeting, as many of you know who come from that part of the world, that was an incredible event this past week, it was really miraculous. And, and the fact that they're going to allow communication in August from, of families is, 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 is really miraculous. I believe in the same way God is, you know, in a prophetic way, God is seeking to do a miracle in our day and raising up a body of people that have broken past the emotional baggage and the cultural factors that divide us and actually begin to live as the body of Christ, as the church across race, culture, gender, social class, and age. Friends, that's a miracle. And I believe that really what's happening in Korea is almost like a prophetic statement. And um, it's going to take the power of the Spirit in our midst. Now, um, God's created something more important, more enduring, and more expensive than anything on the earth. It's called the body of Christ. When Paul became a Christian, remember, Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And at that moment, Paul began to get a glimpse, a revelation of the fact of the church, the people of God is the body of Jesus. And that when I slander or I build up a person who belongs to Jesus, I touch Jesus. And when Paul was persecuting Christians, he was touching Jesus himself. And I think that was the beginning of him getting a revelation of what is this body of Christ thing's about. And the Corinthians were ignorant. They weren't willing to press in. They were sloppy. And Paul's saying basically, grow up, guys, and look at verse 4 for a minute because you don't understand what you've got. You're ignorant. He goes, we have different kinds of gifts but the same spirit, different kinds of service but the same Lord, different kinds of workings but the same God works all of them in all men. So you don't understand, guys, there is such diversity in your midst. They, they were focusing on a couple of gifts like tongues, and they were not appreciating the enormous power, wealth, and diversity in their midst. And, and Paul says, guys, you don't get it, that, that there is such wealth in you to be this unique counterculture, this people of God, this new society in the midst of the earth, and you're not grabbing it, you're sloppy about it, you're, you, you, you've let the culture shape you. And he says, you don't understand, guys, there's different, there's tremendous difference of giftings. And in fact, the, he gives nine gifts to follow this list. Romans and Ephesians has, has other lists of gifts, and they're only meant to be samplings because there's so much, div the key word here is, is diversity. There, there's such differences. You think of snowflakes. There's no two snowflakes alike. But we like to make ice cubes. We like people like us. People go to churches with similar giftings and personalities and temperaments and cultures because we want people like us. Paul says, that's not the church. The body is made up of people that are enormously different but are held together by the Lord himself and by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your midst. And so he says it works out, verses 4 to 7, there's different workings, there's, there's different types of service, and, and uh, everyone's been given, verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit to each one. If you're a believer in Christ here today, the, the day you became a believer, something supernatural happened. and You were unaware of it. But to each one, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit was given for the common good. It's a past tense, aorist in Greek. You were given something. A treasure was deposited into you that nobody else on the earth has. You're a unique snowflake. And God deposited something called a manifestation of the Spirit in you. And that word manifestation means something was given to you that is visible, that is to be made visible to actually bless and build other people up. And to each one distinctly was given something for the common good. 
And the only way the body will be the body, the only way the church will mature, the only way people are going to grow up is if everybody takes their manifestation of spirit and gives it to bless other people. And the Corinthians were not doing that. And so he says, listen, guys, grow up. So what does that look like? So say, for example, you may have a teaching gift. You may say, but there's many different ways that works out. It may be a, a teaching gift for children. It may be one-on-one. -on -one. It may be classes. It may be for the elderly. It may be for non-Christians. It may be for new Christians. It, it, it could work out in a lot of different ways. Let's take the gift of um, uh, evangelism. It may be one-on-one. -on -one. It may be large group. It may be that over time you have a prayer heart burden and God may want you to be a person who's praying for folks who don't know Christ. Or you're praying for the evangelist, but it works, the way it works out is different than it works out for somebody else. People with gifts of serving, I, I was reading about a young lady who loves to mop floors. God, where are you? Okay. And, 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 and clean up after people and says, thank you. There are folks with, with talents in, 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 um, in crafts, whether it's carpentry or electrician and, and building stuff. And, and uh, Ezekiel 30, Exodus 33, we see that in the building of the temple. These guys anointed by the Spirit to build the temple. And Paul's saying there's such diversity, and you've got to give room, break the box open, that there's such uniqueness and differences in the body, and let them go. Don't try to put people in the same box that they're like you. Let's take the gift of mercy. It may be a gift of mercy of, of um, you know, released in prayer. It may be that, you know, calling someone up who's hurting. It may be leadership of creating structures so other people can be merciful. But the way that gift of mercy works out is going to be different for different types of people. But you've been given not just one, but I believe many, many gifts. And God says, if you don't use that gift, others suffer. But if you do, others are blessed. And so Paul's saying, Corinthians, you've got to understand, you've got to get everybody on this thing because Jesus is the head and is the body. And verse 7, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's take the gift of... Um, Hospitality. There's hospitality you're going to see downstairs. Some people were involved in for this morning. There's cell group hospitality. There's community hospitality. There's one-on-one -on -one hospitality. There's with neighbors who don't know Christ. There's with folks who do. There's with all different types of age groups. But the way that works out is going to be different. Now, as you go through seasons of life, the way your gifts are manifested, the way what God's put in you comes out is going to change. Depending on circumstances that you're in, single, married, divorce, age, all a factor. You know, your passions change with time. Maybe you were passionate about one thing 10 years ago. This year, your passion is something different. That's the work of God. Is he going to orchestrate the way your gifts are going to flow out of you? So all these things have to be taken into account. And you say, what does it mean for me, God, to use? I don't even know what you've given me, but I want to know what it is. And how do I express it to bless other people? Now, hear this. Verse, 20, verse uh, 18 but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You are special. You've been given something from God that nobody else has. And now put the overhead up. And this is why at New Life, we have Sunday morning celebration, yes. This is a part of being church. But being, that's why we're broken up into cells and communities during the week. Because we know there's no way for people that can express their gifts on a Sunday morning. I mean, some people express their gifts in classes and, and teaching and myself and other worship people and, and hospitality and serving. That's wonderful. But there's only way that the body can express their gifts, friends, is if there's relationships in cells, communities, and then even during the week outside of those meetings. There has to be opportunities 
for just to flow out 24-7. As my kids say, it's got to be 24-7, Dad. It's, it's, it's seven days a week. These gifts are able to flow and build up the body. And that's why our structure at New Life is not too many big meetings, but tons of small decentralized meetings, which, as you know, goes against the culture around us. Now, number one, go down, point one. In fact, my, my major point for today. The application of this is, I believe that we've got to wrestle with the immense power of the gifts given to you. I've got to wrestle with what's been given to me. You've got to wrestle with what's been given to you. You've got to fight to be you. You're the only you we got. We don't have anybody else in the body like you. Don't be like Joe and Harry and Susie. Don't try to copy this guy's gifts or that woman's gifts. You be the unique person God has made you. Now, that's a lot of work because it's very easy to copy what somebody else is. And it's very hard. To, what does that look like? God, the unique combination of stuff you've given me and to bring that to the body. Holy Spirit, show me. Friends, that word wrestle is an important word because it is a wrestling to move through the process of time and to use my gifts. Now, it's a process because I'm changing all the time. And situations change. The body changes all the time. And so as my gifts work out, changes. And that's why God gives us things like authority to help structure, wise counsel, because that's why you need a body to work this whole thing out. But the problem is most of us don't know what our gifts are. And many of you say, oh, Pete, I'm not worthy. You know, I mean, who am I? I don't, I'm really nothing of value, and I'm a nobody, or I don't really feel like it, or... You know, I didn't grow up in a family where anybody nurtured or encouraged me. And so now that I'm a Christian, I don't really feel like, you know, who am I? And I hear that all the time. And I believe the great task for the American church as a whole, and I believe clearly for New Life, is to, to encourage, to exhort, to lay out before you a vision that you'll wrestle with the immense power of the gifts that God's given. You've got to hear this. Because when it says in verse 7, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, he's talking about a grace. He's talking about immense power and glory given each one from God. You say, oh, me? And God says, yes. You, and it's, yours is no less than anybody else in this room, that everyone's of equal value. you got to hear that. Well, I don't know the Bible yet. That's irrelevant. You got it as a gift from God by grace. Now, the problem is some of us have been amputated from the body. You're like an arm that's been cut off. You're still a part of the body, but you've been cut off for whatever reason. Some of us, you know what? We've been atrophying. You ever see someone who's, you ever, you ever been in bed a long time, you've been sick? And you don't have the energy to walk because your muscles are so weak. Some of you, you've got it from God, but it's like you've been laying in bed so long, they're atrophying, they're, they're kind of decaying. You know, others of us have been through, a, you've been fractured. You've got fractured bone in you, you know, and, and, and what's happened, you got hurt. Maybe somebody projected on you, had a bad experience with a church or the body or some people. And so what, you know what? You're saying, I, I got a broken bone here, and I'm fractured, and I just can't function right now. And uh, you know what it's like to have a bad back? Some of you got a bad back here. You're, you feel it. I mean, you're, you're, you, you can't, you say, or oh, broke a toe or an arm. You're constantly focused on it. Some of you are fractured. And you got to hear this, that your fracture affects everybody. Ah, nobody cares. God says, they, you, you don't think they care? God says, it affects everybody. You've got to hear this. You, as an individual, affect the entire body. And the way God set up is that every local church is a body, is a household of God. 
and we've broken up into smaller communities, but this is a body. And God says that if one suffers, verse 28, we all suffer. If one's cut off, it affects everybody. If one uses their peace, it blesses the whole body. Now, do you all know the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Don't you watch it every Christmas, Jimmy Stewart? His name is George in the movie, but he wants to kill himself because things are going bad. He's about to jump off the bridge, and then the angel Clarence stops him. And the angel basically takes him back and shows him what his, because he says, oh, I wish I'd never been born. And shows him what life would have been like if he'd never been born. Shows him the town and the people. And, and basically everything was different because as if, if he never lived. But it's very dramatic at the end, you know, he wakes up, he doesn't commit suicide, he loves everybody, da 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 da. It's a great movie, good Christmas movie. Take it out of Blockbuster, okay? Now, in the same way, what Paul's saying is, your life, you don't understand. Corinthians, you don't understand the value and the specialness of each individual life, of your own life, and that your life has a huge impact on everybody around you. Not a little one, but a big one. So say, for example, you have a heart for, for you love kids. So you're, you're, you volunteer, say, you know, I'm going to help with one of the cell groups for our youth. And you do it. And in that cell group over a six-month period, you get to be friends with one of the young ladies. And over time, you realize you've got a lot of family problems, and she ends up becoming a Christian. You end up kind of mentoring her, and, and she gets her life together, and, and then she ends up you know, leading another friend to Christ, and then she eventually gets married and, and has children, and grows up, and then she raises her kids in Christ, and and then our friend who became a Christian also then becomes a, an attorney who ends up serving the poor and, and doing all kinds of good with her life and not just making money. But the ripple effect of you having said, my passion and my heart is to love teenagers. And you did it. That one girl's life had an incredible ripple effect that will go for generations. And God said, you don't understand. If by you not really saying yes with what God's given you, it has an incredible ripple effect. Or let's say you've got a gift of mercy. You just, you just, you feel for people in pain. That's, that, that's a tremendous thing. And you know someone's hurting and feeling isolated over there and they're in pain. And you don't bother going. Because you know what? I got my own problems. And I don't feel like it right now. In fact, I'm just trying to take care of myself. And so you don't, and you don't bother to say, I know God's given me something. It's, it's, a, it's a resource. I'm limited, but I'm going to give a little bit I've got. So that person remains in discouragement. And maybe two other people God touches don't go either. And they get discouraged, and before you know it, they say, you know what? These people are so unloving, I, I, I quit. I quit church, I quit God, I'm done. And they leave God for six months. Meanwhile, their kid, because now their kid's out of the children's church or whatever, and their kid rebels as well, gets into deep trouble, and so that kid's whole life is affected. And maybe that person comes around to God, but you understand the implications are vast. Of your, you say, my little life. Paul says, no, 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 verse 7. To each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is some, there's an immense power given to you. Glory. It may not look like much, but it has huge implications for everybody else. One of my um, heroes is a um, or mentors has been a guy named Don Seibert. He's about 73, 74. Dave Jennings knows him well. And I was with him uh, just yesterday, and he, and, he, and he gave me his written testimony of how he came to Christ. And uh, this fellow, Don Seibert, uh, when he was a, his mom was a Christian and he was not, and he had a one year, one and a half year old baby. And one night, uh, the baby rolled over and they found her and she was limp and she didn't have a pulse. And the, they panicked, he and his wife, Verna, and they, they didn't have a phone, so they ran over to her mom's house, his mom's house, 
And uh, he said, he wrote this, I knew my mom had a connection with God. We had no phone, so I ran to her house to call a doctor. And I asked my mom to come over and pray for the baby. It was 2 in the morning, 20 below zero, and snow everywhere. My mom came back with us, knelt beside the baby, who was now limp in Verna, my wife's lap. As my mother prayed, color came back into the baby's face. She sat up and looked around brightly. She was healed. A minute later, the doctor arrived, examined the baby, and found only a little temperature, and was very upset to have been called out in the middle of a very cold night to examine a healthy child. He told us that she was probably coming down with the flu and left. She didn't come down with anything, and out of our three kids, that baby was the healthiest. That night, having seen God's power and mercy, we, Vern and I, accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. Now, that man, Don Seibert, ended up eventually becoming the CEO of J.C. Penney and ended up becoming advisor to President Carter uh, during his administration for the Fortune 500 companies and really has spent the last 53 years in leadership in God's church. Now, his mother did not have a healing ministry. His mother wasn't floating around with prayer cloths, all right? His mom never did a crusade. His mom just knew there was a, really, there was a, there was a need and my son's baby, and the, the son asked if you pray for the baby, and she did. And God healed the baby. Now, just think of the mom said, you know what? The son comes over and says, would you please pray for my baby? And he says, you know what? I'm really depressed today. I'm really feeling far from God. In fact, I'm really mad at this guy who's leading my soul group at church. I'm not talking to him anymore. So you know what? I'm out of touch. I'm not going. It's, it's hard to imagine. And what Paul's saying is you have to understand that the enormity of the power and the grace and the glory given to each one of us of a manifestation of the Spirit. Something from God has been deposited into you. And it's a unique snowflake. There's nobody like you. That's the beauty of it. So you don't have to be anybody else. Just be you. That's the battle. I love that great, I don't know who said it in the 12th century, but he said, to live life unfaithfully is to do others great damage. If you want to really love people well, just be yourself. Be the person God made you. And that's a challenge to get there. Now, yes, there's character issues involved. Love has got to be first. That's a motivation. Uh, gifts don't stand alone, so just don't go wild here, okay? That's why we have authority in the body and that God set that up. And you want to look for opportunities to experiment and serve and try different things out and listen to your heart and what's going on on the inside. But think of one gift, or you say, one thing I know, I think, I think God's given me, and put it into motion. Just one. This week, put it into motion towards the body and watch what God does. And I'll close with this. And I don't want to read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Many of you know the parable? Jesus said, in the final judgment, we will be evaluated on what we did with what God gave us. And it's a parable really for believers. And it was meant to motivate us. And if you remember, there's three people in the parable. Two use the treasure and the gifts that God had given them. One of them does not. He buries the talent, and the talent in that day was worth a, year's, a lifetime of salary, about a million dollars today. And it was meant to be an expression of wealth that you were given. That's what I'm saying. You've been given immense wealth by the Holy Spirit if you've come to Christ. And if you've not come to Jesus Christ, friend, run to Jesus. Receive forgiveness, a new heart, a new mind, a new life. Be born from above, and, a, and, and let God deposit into you something that will enable you to be the man, the woman. He's called you to be the rest of your life. 
The only way you can be the person God's called you to be is to really, in brokenness, come to Christ. So anyway, what you do, you get this deposit into you, and this one guy buries the talents into the ground, and he hides it because he's afraid of messing up. You ever been afraid of messing up? I get afraid every week of messing up. I say, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too scary. It's too risky. And so he does not do it. He buries it. And he goes, oh, Lord. I, at the end, he's going, I know you're, I know you're a hard master, and I know you, you, you beat on me if I messed up. But what's so heavy about that parable is he is judged eternally for his lack of obedience and faith of using the treasure God had given him. And it was, it's meant to shake us up. Like, oh, my gosh, Lord, why are you being so harsh? Because he had great regrets. Many of us are going to go to our graves with great regrets that we did not trust God enough to just, what he gave us, just give it back. Even though it's a little bit, just step out and wrestle with the immense power, wrestle with the process of becoming the person God's called me to be. And again, it's going to change over time. It's going to unveil. God will give you new things, new passions, new environments, new structures. But that's why the body's ever-changing. And it is a wrestling to figure that out. But I want to motivate you this morning. I want to, I, I, I pray for, I want to encourage you that this really is life or death. This is to be wrestled and say, God, what does it look like for me? I have small children, or I'm single, or I'm broke. Whatever your situation is, how do I work this out? And it's normal and healthy to wrestle with, and the word is, with the process. And that's why getting wise counsel along the way is so important. But God is in the business of restoring those who've buried their treasure. Some of you have buried your treasure, and we want to help you uncover it. And we want to encourage you and lift you and say, yes, which leads me to my final point, and I'll close with this. Open your eyes, all right, and don't just see your own treasure. I want you to look around the room right now. Do you look at the balcony. Look at the treasure of the young people, all different ages. And, and there's such treasure in this room. We want to say, listen, you've got a treasure from God. Give it away. We want our children to give it away to other people. We want our young people, adults, senior citizens, all stages of life, to give what God's given you. And God, Paul says, that is going to be a body that will shake the earth and cause people to say, there's a God that's alive. But it requires this body thing to somehow happen. Some of us are really good at looking around, and you're looking around right now and you say, oh my gosh, look at him. Oh, what a mess over there. Boy, does she need to change. Boy, I wish she would repent. I hope that person doesn't go to my group. And we're really good at seeing the evil in people. And you've got a gift. The gift of x-ray, you know? <laughs> now, I, if God had an x-ray machine, and he put it over, you know, if I had an x-ray machine on, on Angelo right here, I'd see inside his body. I can just see externally right now. You can look at new life externally, but if God puts an x-ray machine from heaven and looks at the body of Christ, what would he see? Amputations, fractures. He'd see someone over here with arthritis. And he sees someone atrophying over here. What would, he, where would, what would he see in you? And your, your place in this thing. But God does look with that x-ray. He sees beneath the surface. We've got to look at each other with that x-ray. And instead of, we've got to, you know, we believe in God. We've got to start believing in God in people. I believe in God. I just don't believe in you. I know. Don't worry about, you know. Believing in God and believing in people are inseparable. You can't love God and not love people. He who lives in God lives in love. And 1 John says, you're deceiving yourself if you think you can love God and trash everybody else. But part of maturity is to look around and say, look at the wealth they're here. Look at the glory. Friends, there's enough in here. It's unbelievable. 
And we are to be encouraging each other because we know that we're in a battle with forces that say you're no good, you're nothing, you can't do it. And that's why Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, encourage each other, exhort each other. Listen, I, most of us, we don't need someone, you don't need someone to tell you everything wrong with you. You got that down. But we desperately need to be like the Holy Spirit who's called the paraclete, the everything's in Greek, the one who comes alongside to encourage, to whisper in your ear, say, have you thought about what your treasure is? And what God might want to do with you. Friends, we've got to be doing that for each other. And see, open, and say, God, open my eyes so I can begin to see. Because my whole bent is negative. My whole bent is what they're not. And say, God, open my eyes that I would see with the eyes of Jesus. Amen. All right, now, let's just pray. Let me, let me, let me, let me pray right now. And we're going to do something special, all right? Father, I pray you to release in the name of Jesus power from heaven into this place. And Lord, enable us to step out. God, and release the treasures that are in us. Let buried treasures emerge. Help us to encourage each other and be the body of Christ. That new life, Lord, we'd walk out your calling. We would not be ignorant or immature like the Corinthians. We'd rise up, Lord, in enormous diversity and thank you for it and give you glory and, be a, and, and really be the full human beings you've called us to be and there'd be life and joy and fulfillment in that in Jesus' name. Amen.